All right, folks, what is going on? I'm your host of the Ring of Discussions podcast, Truman Hudson, the 30 Triple Crown, International Hardcore Cruiserweight Champion of the World. All of that jazz plus more. And I thank you all so much for listening. We have already had 700 plus downloads on the show so so far like that that's absolutely crazy that's absolutely nuts and i cannot thank my guest enough for coming onto the show and i cannot thank you all enough for listening to the show week in week out if you're a new listener to the show i ask for you to go subscribe to the show whether that be on the apple podcast wherever you are listening anchor fm uh google podcast wherever you are listening to the show i ask for you to subscribe to the show to never miss an update to never miss a beat uh and today i'm joined by cabana man dan he is a wrestler i'm getting myself familiar with well i've already got myself familiar with him in this interview um but i'm getting more familiar with him and he's an awesome man behind the scenes without the he doesn't wear boots but he does wear trunks so without the trunks with the flip-flops on without the flip-flops on this guy's got moxie this guy's um has he has he's quite the story all right he has quite the story and i cannot wait for you all to hear it now there were some issues again i don't know not i don't know what it is with myself and the mic in which the background noise was having some issues we're gonna figure that out so we can get that pro quality sound but there will be a little bit of us in the background all right all right, so now let it distract you from this awesome, stellar interview with Cabana Man Dan. Cabana Man Dan, he already knows that I've fumbled his name like a million times, all right? I apologize, Cabana Man Dan. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I thank you all for listening to the show. And without further ado, strap your seats in, because this is the interview with Cabana Man Dan. I think I nailed it. All right, folks, what's going on? I'm your host of the Ring of Discussions podcast, your Triple Crown Tri-National Hardcore Cruiserweight Champion of the World, Truman Hudson III. And today, I am joined by Kamana. Kamana, Kamana, my gosh. We First of all, they got the technical issues prior to the show, and now I'm having brain issues, brain malfunctions. Kamana, man, damn, the flip-flop king of the South. Kamana, man, Dan, how are you doing today, man? Well, I'm doing well, Trooper, and I appreciate you having me on. Uh, sorry, I had a little bit of car issues earlier, uh, put us a little bit behind, but uh, I'm doing well now. I'm laying down, so I can't complain about that. Well, that is definitely awesome, and I, I'm glad that the, the car issues are handled, so uh, hopefully everything is good from here on out, and it's awesome having you on the show. Now, this is a shoot show. There's no gimmicks, no storyline, no nothing. We are just going straight to the rip like this is a normal conversation, because it is a normal conversation. This is a normal discussion, and with that said, I want people to follow your life and follow your career, and with that said... Please let the hashtag loyal royal listeners of the Ring of Discussion show at home. Let them know how they can follow you on social media. Okay. Um, on Instagram, I'm cabana.man.dan. On Twitter, it's just cabanamandan, all one word. And then you can also find me on Facebook as well. Alrighty, and you guys know where to follow the Ring of Discussion show at thudson3rd, again at thudson3rd on both Instagram and Twitter. I am primarily on Twitter, but I will also answer any questions or anything like that. Uh, I'm primarily on Instagram, vice versa, you guys get the gist, uh, but either way, we're going to get on with the show. I have yet another guest on the show in Cabana Man Dan, so please let myself let the audience know about you Without all the gear on, with without the hair, without the skin, on the inside, not literally, but metaphorically, who are you on the inside? Cabana Man Dan, who are you as a person? Uh, well, um, 
34-year-old uh, male. <laughs> I live in uh, northeast Alabama. That's where I'm based out of. All right. Uh, I've been wrestling. I started wrestling in 2001 when I was 16 years old. Uh, was trained in a inside uh, yard yard sale place or an antique store actually. Uh, there was a ring in the back room, and uh, I had that good outlaw training. And then uh, that show closed, and this was before social media, so I didn't know how to get in touch with anybody. So after that, I just made my way through the indies for about nine years until 2010. Uh, I got hurt. I uh, had a neck injury, uh, or at least a nagging injury that decided that made me decide to stop wrestling for six years. And then um, I resumed my career in 2016 for New South Wrestling out of uh, Alabama. I was doing commentary for them, helping out backstage and stuff. And then, you know, I was in the gym trying to get uh, in some sort of shape just in case I felt like having one more match. And then I get called saying, hey, we had a last minute cancellation. We need you to wrestle. And I said, I have not wrestled in six years. I'm going to die. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and they said, no, nah, you're wrestling Christian Hang. I've wrestled dozens of times. Y'all will be fine. And then uh, my one more match turned into now going on three years back in wrestling and wrestling more than ever, more places than ever, farther away from home than ever, and uh, enjoying a lot of it. It's been very fulfilling so far. That is definitely awesome to hear, and I uh, can definitely hear the thick country accent, and I want to talk about life in the country. Please okay. tell the audience about that. We may have some listeners from overseas that know nothing about uh, you know, the life in the country in the U.S., so please let us know your experience growing up down south. Uh, well, you know, um, I, guess, I guess it's pretty boring for the most part. I don't live like in a rural area of Alabama, um, but I'm not in a big city either. It's just kind of like a sub, sub suburb of Birmingham. Uh, I live just like, a, I guess, an hour northeast of it called Gaston, Alabama. Um, but growing up, it, being a Filipino-American, when you know, I was primarily in an all-white school, I was the 1% other, and the rest was 99% white. Uh, it was interesting, you know. Um, grew up with some bullying because people are dumb, and assume, you know, I'm Hispanic, so they make Hispanic names for me, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, that's not who I am, and that's not my heritage. It's, it was just kind of dumb. But uh, I just uh, had been a wrestling fan my entire life, and then I found other wrestling fans in high school. And that was pretty much my group of friends was, especially during the Attitude Era, uh, you know, we would, get, we would all get together on Monday nights, watch Raw. Saturdays, we'd be wrestling on the trampoline. Uh, so yeah, I was in the backyard wrestling as well, um, and I was Cabana Man Dan then. So I've been Cabana Man Dan for over half my life. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. You just like presented so many questions, um, and I'm gonna go for them. I'm gonna go straight for them. So you mentioned I'm gonna first tackle your culture. You are a Filipino American. Tell me about life at home when it comes to your culture, because I'm not I'm, I'm familiar with it, but not too familiar with it, and I want to get your perspective on it. Well, uh, you know, my mom's from the Philippines, and my dad's uh, from Alabama, uh, so I got, like, you know, half deep into the culture, um, just because I was exposed a little bit to it, but, you know, I never learned the language. I've never been to the Philippines. I'd love to go, especially because there's wrestling there now, but, uh, you know, we have big parties. 
pretty occasionally. Like when they talk about parties, it's pretty much just everybody's bringing food over. There's always food. Uh, there's always uh, lumpia, which is like an egg roll. There's pancit, which is like a rice noodle dish. There's fried fish, uh, shrimp, uh, and then I remember some some of the bigger parties that have like a whole roast pig in the backyard over you know a fire pit. Oh my and, god! <laughs> and, and and karaoke and uh, all that all that fun stuff. Um, the only downside now is. Uh, uh, my mom and my grandmother are, are both passed, so I really feel like I've lost a lot of that connection just because the community, I, I just, I was never really into it other than with family and stuff now that they're gone, it's just kind of, it's kind of just, uh, my past, but uh, I miss it, I miss the food, definitely, uh, lots of fun stuff too. Now, before we get back into the wrestling thing with uh, everything you just mentioned, Okay. How are you going to reconnect with your culture? You know, I think that's very vital to all of us, especially being in a quite diverse country. How are you going to reconnect with your culture if you will reconnect with it? Well, I, I would love to. Um, I guess, I mean, I guess technically my wrestling character is almost a stereotype. Barefooted Islander kid hitting people with flip-flops. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, you know, that, that was, that's more of me embracing it, especially, you know, as, you know, uh, as a youth uh, wanting to be a wrestler, you know, I was the only one that looked like me around, so might as well play to that strength. Um, but as far as reconnecting, I think wrestling is a very important part because I'm seeing parts of the country and meeting people of my ethnicity that I would not have met otherwise. Without wrestling, I wouldn't meet Filipino wrestling fans. I wouldn't meet. I wouldn't be featured on Filipino like uh, I guess wrestling groups that honor other Filipino wrestlers, and then I wouldn't have uh, accepted uh, Shotzi Blackheart's Filthy Filipino Challenge had I not been Filipino. So I think that's just important that, we, you know, because uh, it seems like there's more Filipinos in wrestling than I thought, and, and, and it's really cool. Um, uh, and I think that I think it's important for the culture for us to all, like, me and, and just be proud of our heritage. I mean, you got... TJP, you got Batista, uh, I think Follow Ball, and uh, gosh, uh, DJZ. I mean, there, there's quite a handful of really good Filipino wrestlers. Uh, and uh, I'm like at the bottom, so that's fine. <laughs> well, well, before we get there, I, like, you're snickering, but I, I got you on the show for a reason. I want to talk to you on the show for a reason, for multiple reasons. But before we get there, before we get into the career of today, let's talk about the career of yesterday. Let's talk about the okay. beginnings. You were, I'm assuming you, you're 34, so about 15 years ago. So you were growing up in the Attitude Era. Tell me about your experience then. Tell me about the backyard wrestling scene back then as well. Well, uh, as far as like the Attitude Era, it was like, it was wild because uh, I was still in like high school when that was going on, so... Uh, you know, Austin, Rock were a big deal, you know, people were crazy about Undertaker, and, you know, uh, the majority of my group, we were all, like, WWF guys, but also, before that, I'd watch a little bit of WCW, and I'd flip back and forth anyways, but at some point, I think, you know, whenever WWE, or WF just ran away with us, when we really paid attention to that, you know, and played all the games, stayed up all night, uh, playing, uh, WrestleMania 2000, and even, and, uh, and No Mercy, and even before that, the two WCW games uh, on N64 that were like that, those were really good too. Um, 
we'd have a guy that worked at McDonald's, and when he would get off, he'd bring us a bunch of like food that was made wrong. So we'd always have that. Yeah. And I'd have a, have a little suitcase in my closet full of Rolling Rock beers that I snuck in. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. That that's what we would do on a, on a typical Monday night. Or and I, I remember ordering all the pay per views solid too. Like um, I forget the I'm bad with numbers, but the WrestleMania. With uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Steve Austin. 16. Yeah, with 16. Yep. 16 on for a long time. I think for maybe like two two years plus solid. I ordered the pay-per-views every month and everybody would come over. And that's, compared to now, that's like a, a, a small fortune in pay-per-views. Now oh. it's just nine ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't really remember how I got involved with Backyard Wrestling. And the scene was just one show. Uh, it was just kind of bounce around from one person's backyard to another in this one specific neighborhood in Glencoe, Alabama. Um, I think we'd have it at somebody's house before their parents would get tired of it tough to do it somewhere else. So it would just bounce around. But I remember being uh, friends with other wrestling fans and then the word on the street is like, there's there's a group of people at your high school that do backyard wrestling. I think you'd want to go check it out. I was like, well, that's cool. I mean, I never thought about backyard wrestling before, much less you know wrestling at all at that point other than being a fan. So I had somebody pick me up because I think I was 15 at the time and, uh, you know, drove to another part of my town and they had like a wrestling ring, or not a wrestling ring, but like a, a trampoline, a literal trampoline uh, in the backyard. And I just remember seeing all these guys I went to school with that I didn't really know at that time, like doing moves, like having matches, you know, cutting promos. I think the main event of that first show was uh, an Inferno match. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? How? How? Because I, I, this is all fun and everything, and now your main event's an Inferno match. Yeah. Well, basically, uh, whenever I checked the show out, it was fall. So there was a big pile of leaves in someone's backyard. I guess they just sat on fire. And oh. an object match was to throw your opponent into the burning pile of leaves. Oh, my God. But for the most part, it wasn't very hardcore like you see um, on some of those Twitter accounts, the uh, backyard wrestling without context. Yeah, it was, it was it was just goofy kids playing on a trampoline for the for the most part. Wow, that is awesome to hear, and that is one reason why I wish I grew up in the '90s. Mom, Dad, why did I have to be born in 2002? Seriously, I felt like I missed that glory period of like backyard wrestling. Wow, so you were so you were you you weren't born yet when I started wrestling. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, with all that. I want to start getting into the beginning of your professional career. Now, tell me about the start of that. Tell me about the training that it took, uh, the mental, the mentality that it took, the psychology. Tell me how you developed yourself. Let's just really get into that. Well, um, I had found out about a show in Center, Alabama. Uh, me and my, me and my, one, of, one of my backyard wrestling buddies were at a movie gallery. Uh, reading, looking at wrestling VHS tapes, and uh, wow, I stayed myself. But, oh my gosh! We were, looking at, we were looking at the wrestling tape section, and then the little cashier lady was like, "Hey, if y'all like wrestling, there's a show like 20 minutes up the road, 20 miles or whatever, and they say they train people, so you know, it might be something you, you might want to do." So we go check it out. It was called uh, Wrestling Christian Fellowship. It was in the back of a uh, of uh, an antique store, and it was a little hokey ring with a tiny roof, but um, you know 
was our first time really experiencing something in our own in our own area, and uh, we were just mesmerized. Like we recorded the whole show like on the, on a VHS tape. I was like, wow, this is this is incredible. This is wrestling. We've, we've never seen wrestling before, like in person. I mean, it, it was really bad wrestling, but you know it was still wrestling, and we didn't know good or bad. We were just excited, fifteen and sixteen year olds. And then um, after the show, we. I think found like the ring announcer guy or somebody looked like they were in charge and said, hey, can we talk to somebody about training? And then uh, we were introduced to a fellow named Chief Little Lynn, uh, a guy that's a Georgia-based wrestler. He's still running shows now, uh, I think in the northeast area of Georgia. But basically, uh, the guy was like a longtime wrestler of the southeast. Um, I think he did some... Uh, some enhancement talent for WCW or NWA back in the day, and I think he was, uh, I think like the claim to fame that he told me was, uh, he was the limo driver for Sid Vicious on a Halloween Havoc pay-per-view one time. Whoa. <laughs> so, so uh, but yeah, he told us uh, that they did training on Saturdays, it was 20 bucks a week, and then uh, you just help out, you set up, you clean up and all that, and then, uh, that's what I did for a few months. Um, was uh was trained uh, before the show and uh i had a little bit of a slip up because i had to have acl surgery uh at one point and then i came back you know and trained but that's how it started it was just you know training training on sunday after or saturday afternoons and then after training in between the shows they'd give us a stack of flyers and tell us to go to kmart and pass them out at the door so we would go to kmart and try to try to get people to come to the show i don't know if if that's really done these days, uh, but you know, no social media, the only way you could advertise was literally telling people about it. So, you know, that's what we did. Um, went to the grocery stores, all that. Just as people were walking out, we would just give them a flyer and you know, talk about the rest of the show. Okay, so one thing stuck out to me from all of that. Um, a couple okay. things stuck out, but I probably want to talk about one thing. So, you know how people compare gas prices from today and yesterday and yesteryears and all that. You paid $20 a week for wrestling, for wrestling training. Do you ever, like, think to yourself, you came in a good time in which wrestling training was that low? Because, I mean, now it's, like, 2000 bucks in some, certain schools for, like, you know, a couple of weeks or maybe a month or a couple of months of training. Well, the, the comparisons to then versus now, and, I mean, you also got, I also got to look at the quality level of my training. My training probably just cost a, a few hundred dollars. It was probably worth a few hundred dollars. Oh, you know? no. <laughs> so, uh, I was shown how to fall, uh, take a few moves, and that's that's about it. You know, I, it wasn't it wasn't too technical. Um, it wasn't it wasn't like crazy high spot training, no flipping or anything like that. It was you were I was given the outlaw Southern wrestling training, and that's that's what it was. <laughs> All right. Now, Compared to nowadays, I mean, you can still find somebody training for 20 bucks a week, you know, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, the level of quality of schools out there and opportunities to learn are better than ever. I mean, they all cost money, and it's all investing in yourself, but for the most part, you get what you pay for. Hmm. So how did you build your repertoire? How did you build your skill set? How did you build your psychology over the years, your in-ring psychology as well as on the mic? It's constantly trying to improve 
Uh, it's a lot of studying. Uh, the most important thing is getting out of your comfort zone or your comfort show. Because um, I wrestled there for a few months until they closed, and then I went up to the other local show and wrestled there for a few months. But it's really just, you don't really start learning until you start traveling outside of your area. I, I spent probably too much time in Alabama and didn't branch out enough at the beginning of my career. Uh, but after leaving the South, and I, you know, I wrestle in Alabama and Tennessee a lot, um, but also do some shots in Georgia. And then now I'm trying to, now I'm branching out to like Ohio and Indiana and Virginia and Mississippi. It's just the more you, the more places you go, you pick up pieces along the way that you like and you see things that you don't like and you just kind of mold it into what suits you or what, what's the best fit for you as an all around wrestler in and out of the ring and even in promos and stuff. Um, usually every day, I watch wrestling every day at some point. There's some wrestling that I'm watching and it's, it's, a, it's, it's for enjoyment and study. And I, I think that's just really how you grow is you, you, you do shows starting out, and then when you become, or when you feel like you're the best, or you feel like you can't learn anymore, it's time to move to another show where you're nowhere near the best. That way, you can learn from the better people there. Does that make sense? Yes. Not that I think I'm the best at anything, I'm just saying for example. While improving, I understand once you're a go to one, you go to one place, you improve enough, you're like, okay, gotta pack my bags, go to another place. I, I understand if I'm correct, okay. right? Yeah, you're right. Alrighty. Um, with well, all that, pardon me? There's people that are perfectly fine wrestling for the same local show every week, once a month, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't, I don't want to doo doo on any of them. I did it myself for years and years. But to grow in the business and to and to chase the career, you have to leave your city. Nobody gets famous wrestling in their in their backyard, or at least famous in a good way. <laughs> yeah, and uh, something that spoke out to me is you know really moving around and going around the country. So how did you branch? Oh, you know, no, let me, let, let's refresh that. Let's actually move right back. We're going to rewind the VHS tape and make sure we don't mess things up. If I, I don't know how VHS tapes work. I'm 16, okay? Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, either way, the beginning of your career, the jitters, if you had any, tell me about, you know, how old were you? What was going on in your personal life at that time? You know, as a 16-year-old wrestling fan, as somebody that loves to do this show, as a you know a young journalist, as just uh, knowing others that are young that have a, a goal that they want to achieve in the industry or outside of the industry. Uh, you know, college and other things affect training or may not affect training, or you know, outside forces may affect training or may not affect training. So tell me about how was life while you were training, and, um, yeah, let's start off there. So tell me about how life was when you were training. Well, um, I was in school still, so, um, you know, I'd go to high school. Um, I'd work my little job at the mall at the Japanese, uh, stand, or Japanese food place. And, uh, you know, on the weekends, I would go into training, you know, and I'm not a very, I'm not a super outspoken person, especially, and I'm, I'm, I try to be very respectful, so I'd, I ask a lot of questions, but I, I listen more than I talk. 
uh, especially back then and even now. Um, that's very important. Um, and for the most part, it's easier just to go with the flow with stuff. I mean, you guys, I, I get I get jitters to this day. I mean, there, there's things are very you know I take it very seriously, and then that I think the jitters are a good thing. That just means that there's passion there and that you you're invested in the outcome of what you're doing. I'd be worried if I didn't. I get more worried when I don't have jitters. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like it's maybe I'm not as connected mentally as I should be, if that's the case. Because I mean, you gotta really be ready for anything because. Wrestling is not a natural thing that bodies are supposed to do, and um, it's just a lot of the times. It's, if you if you think too much, you freeze up, and it's better to just go with the flow, and just and trust trust yourself and trust the people around you that they all know what they're doing for the most part. Um, is is how I'd feel about you know just getting started out. I mean, not knowing anything, you just you're soaking in knowledge all the time and 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 learning, basically. Well, I know that all this learning, all these jitters, all this emotion, all this passion had to build up to one point, and that one point was the beginning of your career, your very first match. Tell me about that. Oh, it's awful. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Go for it. Uh, it, it I don't know if anybody ever thinks that their first matches are good, uh, especially at that stage. Um but I do, I do remember that I was going to debut, so I told all my backyard wrestling friends and high school friends, hey, I'm coming to the show. This is my first match. So my first match was a tag match against my trainer and one of the, uh, one of the local guys. Um, the good thing is it wasn't like how some people say, well, my trainer went in there and beat the crap out of me and all that. He was a great guy. He didn't do anything like that. You know, He might throw a chop or two in a match, but... Uh, it was good. We got through it. Um, uh, it was it was very bad. Okay. And I didn't I didn't know what I was. I don't know if I was probably ready for that match because I think I only had been, had been trained for like two months, maybe three months. That's not a long time. <laughs> and then you just get thrown out in front of a live crowd and see what happens. I ended up having two matches that night. It was a tag match, and I remember getting undressed and just not knowing what I was doing. And not understanding the business, I got undressed, and I was a, I was a, I was a bad guy at the time. Um, I got undressed. I got dressed in my street clothes, went out in the crowd, was hanging out with my high school friends, and then the uh, my trainer's like, "Hey man, did I tell you you could get undressed?" I was like, "No, I just thought I was done." He's like, "Well, get dressed. You're gonna wrestle again." And I was like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> so then I wrestled again and uh, wrestled my trainer, and I think I got the match is somewhere on tape too, but it probably wasn't much better. <laughs> all right uh now i think i don't know but i saw a, a vhs tape uh that you posted on instagram a little clip or a little something something like that a little snapshot of it how did you save those and how were you able to even view those tapes well um i i keep i keep my uh i guess my vhs tape collection of, of my matches from the early 2000s um they're, they were in a, what are those things called? Like a lockbox. One of those fireproof lockboxes that you put documents in. Mm -hmm. That's that's where I keep them along with my wedding tape. <laughs> All right. And uh, I actually have a VCR, believe it or not. Wow. Um, okay, for any viewers out there or any listeners out there that do not know what a VCR is, 
uh, it's a thing that plays this little thing, this little brick, uh, and in the brick it holds this thing called tape. Now I could go deeper into this, but I'll be taking up more airtime, so I'm not gonna even talk about it. Just look it up on Google, okay? All right, folks. Yes. This... And, and and that's what I used a lot. You know, I I record my I have a tripod and um, a camera of some sorts, whether it was an actual VHS camera or use the mini tapes, and I would carry a tripod around, which. You really don't have to do it that much anymore just because most shows have uh, their content video or you could just hand your phone to somebody, hey, you record my match. Boy, let me tell you, having to lug around a, a tripod and a, and a, and a, and a camcorder uh, to all the shows, which, I mean, I'm glad I did because I wouldn't have any of this, I wouldn't have this sweet content on VHS tapes if I didn't. And I also studied a lot of tapes, uh, VHS tapes uh, when I was 16 too. Uh, study a lot of Mike Quackerbush, Ricky Steamboat, Edge and Christian, and Bob Backlund. Those are some of the ones I like to watch back in the day on tape. In watching old tapes and watching vintage ta tapes back when you were younger, did you ever get into, and I've asked this before on the show, but I want to ask you because it doesn't seem like it's a popular opinion or that's something that you know a lot of people have done, but did you ever study Japanese wrestling or hybrid wrestling or anything overseas like that? Mm, not really, just because I, I was just ignorant to it. Um, none of my friends were like Japanese wrestling fans. I'm sure if I, if I had the opportunity, I, I would have. It just, were, you know, I, Alabama's not known to be a huge uh, community for, you know, Japanese wrestling back then. I mean, there is now, but uh, no, not, not back then. I mean, I, I would have, but it, it, it just wasn't around for me. Hmm. Well, I want to hop back into the career. I want to hop back into uh, as things go by. And before, you know what? I'm going to say this because it's been on my mind before we hop back on into the personal life. Tell me about the Brian Zane Invitational uh, Tournament that's going on. Please tell me about that because I saw it on Wrestling With Regret and that's how I saw you. I'm like, I need this guy on the show. So tell me about that. Well, that's cool. Um, well, that's for Black Level Pro. Uh, they're a company uh, based out of Northwest Indiana, uh, the Crown Point, Indiana area, which I just wrestled for for my second time Saturday. Uh, great place, really fun show. Um, but uh, so they had their kind of like new talent showcase last month for uh, Black Oak Pro Unplugged. Uh, wrestled there, and then um, got invited to the. Brian Zane Million Dollar Battle Royal oh, million. Uh, WrestleMania weekend for Black Label and uh, uh, basically I guess if you win you win a million dollars which um, I'm excited about that. All right, hopefully and, there's no. What were you gonna say? And, and what's really cool is you know I I've I've heard of wrestling with regret. It's not something that I knew like too deeply about. But as soon as you know, I submitted my promo video for them, and then started what you know, followed the channel a little bit. I was just surprised that not that I'm surprised. It was just cool to see that that channel had a pretty good amount of popularity. I was like, okay, well, it's got a lot of subscribers. That's great. This video has a lot of views. Let me start reading the comments. Holy crap! People are excited to see me. That's I just I, I can't I can't not all get excited about when people are excited about something that I do because. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just like simple, <laughs> that it just amazes me, 
that people care what I do about what I do. It's it's cool. Well, I just hit people with flip flops and and have fun and enjoy doing what I love, and then people people enjoy that too. And it's just it, it's 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 surreal. It's still surreal. Well, without that video, I do not know if we would have this conversation right now. So thank you, Brian Zane. Um, thank you, Wrestling with Regret. Regret. My God. Regret. Regret. Spaghetti. Uh, regret. Uh, as well as Black Label Pro for making this happen. And before we move on, you must tell me. And I just had a brain fart. I'm like, why did I not think of this? Tell me about the origin of the flip-flop. Oh, yeah. Um... This is a fun story, too. Um, so I was wrestling... I used to wrestle in, in, in patent blue leather boots uh, when I first started out um, because wrestlers got to have boots, right? So I wrestled in boots and had my gear and all that. Um, I was wrestling at a show, I think it was probably 2000... I'd probably say between 2003 and four, maybe. I know I was out of hospital at this time, but I was in a... I was in the National Guard Armory in, I think, Sylacauga, Alabama, and I was lacing up my boots, like you do, and then uh, I cinched them up, and then my boot lace snapped, and it felt like the whole locker room could hear that snap. I go, oh crap, I just snapped my boot lace, what should you do? What am I going to do? And then the promoter of the show uh, is uh, Mad Dog Dan Sawyer, somebody I've worked for for several years, uh, he said, hey, CMD, you're an Islander, why don't you just wrestle barefoot? I said, huh, I would have never thought about that. So I started wrestling barefoot. So I started wearing uh, flip-flops for the ring, and I just laid them in the corner or whatever and wrestle. Uh, no big deal. So maybe like six, you know, maybe months or a year or maybe a, a couple years later, I'm, I'm in, a, in a battle royal for a show called New School Action, which pretty much morphed later on into the company New South, which I worked for in my home state, they had a battle royal. So my flip flops were in the corner. We just, you know, you know, a battle royal. Everybody's just sitting here throwing forearms with brothers. Yeah. So uh, next thing I know, I saw that corner of my eye. I see a guy named Brian Sterling has my flip flop, and he's raising it up in the air to hit somebody with it. And then, and it felt like bullet time. So everything slows down. I'm like. Oh my God, this is money. So I rush over to him, cut him off before he hits somebody with it, and start laying up, laying on people with flip flops. And that's how the flip flop chop was born. So I owe <laughs> pretty much uh, a majority of my career to that guy. So thank you, Brian, for hitting somebody or attempting to hit someone with one of my flip flops. Thank, thank you, Brian. Seriously, thank you because I honestly. Uh, the, the only thing that I'm thinking, Cabana Man Dan, so I'm thinking the no boots thing, that's the first thing I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking the and, and, and thing, and then I'm thinking flip-flops, so th thank you, thank you very much, seriously, thank you, Sincere sincerely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really good thing to have, I mean, it's, a, it's the ultimate icebreaker, because in an industry where everybody's trying to stand out, the guy wrestling barefoot, hitting people with flip-flops, stands out tremendously. And once that, you know, foot is in the door, no pun intended, uh. Uh, I could actually wrestle okay, too. So <laughs> uh, it kind of helps that it's not just a... I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's a gimmick, 
But at the same time, it's like, it gets people to notice. And then once they notice, I can kind of, you know, razzle-dazzle a little bit with the ability to have a couple few cool, unique moves. And, um, and I sell really well. So it kind of all comes together. Well, you said selling, and I want to mm-hmm. come back to that. I definitely want to come back to that, but I do want to also talk about your family. Tell me about your wife, your daughter, and you know all that that means so much to you. Well, um, my wife's name is Amanda. Um, we met in, gosh, I think it was 2005. Um, she worked at a firehouse subs, and I thought she was cute. So I went to Firehouse Subs three days in a row <laughs> and kept eating subs for lunch and dinner and then had the courage to ask her out. And then um, uh, we've been together ever since and then got married in 2009. And then my daughter, uh, Evie, was born. And um, gosh, this is the bad part about being a wrestler. I get hit in the head a lot. So numbers kind of, she was born 5909. There we go. I have to, no, no, no. That's when I got married. Okay, I sound. Like, I have to. I have to. I have to kind of put the pieces together. Um, uh, what year is it? Twenty nineteen. Yep. Okay, she was born five eleven twelve. There we go. All right. Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> so that's beautiful. Uh, and I'm plus, yeah, yeah. You know, anytime my wife asks me what she wants for Mother's Day, I'm like, hey, I gave you the gift that keeps on giving, your <laughs> daughter. Yeah. So, so um, and uh, Evie is. Like mini me, like uh, like she's a mini Kamehameha Dan, because she's uh she's already like a four year dance veteran. <laughs> uh, she's one heck of an entertainer. Um, she likes she likes going to wrestling shows. Uh, she hasn't been as much lately just because they tend to get farther and farther away, and that I really don't want to put her through all those all the travel. But she does make towns. Um, she she has she has ridden with me to Indiana before and. Uh, she likes sitting in the ring, but uh, she's 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 way way cooler than I ever was at six years old. And, and as far as talent and skill level for her age, I think she just kills it on stage when she's dancing and performing. So she 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 could probably be she'll probably be a way bigger star than I ever will be. <laughs> uh, that's encouraging, and that's so beautiful to hear a father talk about his daughter like that. The pops are happy. Oh, but, yeah, well, I gotta speak nice of her. She gotta pick my nurse. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Don't even say that. It's so sad to hear that one day we're gonna all get old, and I'm like, oh my gosh! Please don't! Please don't! Um, either way, though. Either way. Uh, let's talk about the current. No, no, no! Before we talk about the current state of Cabana Man Dan, let's talk about the traveling schedule. Tell okay. me about that. Tell me about traveling. You know, just saying that you did not want to bring your daughter on the road to experience that. Tell me about that. Tell me about it. is it grueling? Is it fairly laid back for you? By the way, you just you know talked about it. I don't I don't think it is, but you know let me know your perspective on traveling. Um, you know, um, it feels like I'm getting used to it a little bit more. Um, I didn't travel much before, like before 2016. Like I think um, back in my first nine years of wrestling, I really only left the South twice. Uh, was for IWA Mid-South one time in Indiana, and then I was in uh, Chikara's Young Lions Cup in uh, 2006, and that was uh, a couple of shows in, in Pennsylvania, but um, 
anyways, fast forward into 2016, um, you know, wrestling Alabama and then New South and all that, and I have come to befriend a group of folks uh, in the area. We like to call our group chat's name is the Better Bitter Brothers. Uh, it's uh, mostly younger guys in the business um, that are trying really hard to get their name out there. And uh, that's, they actually have pushed me a lot to get out of the Southeast because it's what they want to do. And it's really hard to want to travel by yourself too. So there's so many of them willing to come out, hop in the car with me to shows and help out on driving and stuff. So it really does get a lot easier. Um, uh, just this weekend we were in Crown Point. That's like a 10 hour drive from Alabama. And two weekends ago before that we were in Akron, Ohio, which was 10 hours. But it wasn't really that bad. Um, it gets better. We used to, we used to uh, do something stupid, like we would wrestle Friday night in Piedmont, Alabama, and as soon as we got down there, we'd hop in a like a rental car and drive to Virginia or Philly, and we would drive through the night and be exhausted as crap the next day, and then either drive straight back or crash in a hotel for a few hours. And uh, it hasn't been so bad lately. And then there's been a couple flights here and there where I get to fly to a show, and that's really nice. Uh, I don't know if it takes any less time to get from a destination or not, but you don't have that road, that road tiredness. Well, something, a reoccurring thing that I'm hearing is, you know, a, a lot of, how do I put this, modesty when it comes to your career. And, you know, the, the one thing I want to say is, what do you want for yourself? I mean, you've had this match with uh, Shotzi Blackheart, which uh, that's where I really, you know, that really caught my eye, and I want to talk about that in a second. But, yeah. you know, uh, where do you see Cabana Man going in the near future, and what do you want specifically for yourself? What do you want for your character? What do you want for yourself personally? What do you want for yourself? Um, you know, I don't know what the destination is, uh, what the final destination is. I just... I just know that, as as basic as I can put it, is I want to be able to make a career good enough that uh, is equal to having like a real job, because I currently have a real job, and it's a very grown-up corporate job, and pays really well, and I'm, I'm blessed to have it. I would like to have that same type of pay, but for wrestling, and something, and, and, and by wrestling, I don't mean just being an in-ring guy. I want a career any, doing anything in wrestling. Like, I'm not, I'm not too cool in myself to just want to be a wrestler only. I want to be anything backstage, like uh, creative or office or referee commentary. I don't care. I, I love wrestling so much, I don't care what I'm doing. Uh, I'm happy, and I would like to take that aspect and be able to provide for my family, pay my mortgage, and save for the future in wrestling. And it's very possible to do. And I don't want to get too personal here. I know some people do not like to share all their information, but how do you think you're going to get there? What steps are you going to take to get there? Well, it's, it's you know, there's, there's so many jobs, and I got to see a lot of different jobs in January when um, I, I was fortunate to have uh, a two-day gig with WWE as an extra talent. Um, you get to see how the machine works, the biggest machine in the world works. 
I mean, you have referees, you have riders, you have assistants, you have caterers. You just you, anything that you can think of, doctors, trainers. Every it's like backstage at WWE is like it's like its own you know universe per se. They have everything they need to operate with anything they want to do. So that just kind of fueled it even more that okay, well, I was recently told I am I was 33 at the time. I'm 34 now. My uh, window to make it is very small. <laughs> um, which just made me once want it even more. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, that's realistic. I'm not going to try to, you know, try to fool myself. Um, but I just like, you just have to know, it's good to have uh, knowledge in a lot of different things and be useful outside of a ring to where you have experience with stuff that still helps the wrestling business. Um, like the show that, uh, is in Alabama that I work for called New South. Uh, I try to take leadership roles behind the scenes too, whether that's help put matches together, uh, help train before the show, like run drills. Uh, if they have outside talent coming in that needs to fly or needs a hotel, I'm that guy to help book their flights and, and their stays. And then as we continue on into the digital world, uh, I want to help as far as pushing digital content and, and social media and stuff. I just want to have a little bit of knowledge and a, little, a, lot of, a lot of things. That way I can be as useful as I can. And I think being useful, being very easy to work with, being a generally nice person, I think those are important things on the journey to whatever successes you're going for. So I'd like to also ask you about okay. your your job. Your, you know, okay. the, your, what you do outside of wrestling. Don't want to get too deep into that, but I would like to ask you, how do they take your traveling schedule? Is that, you know, does that interfere with, you know, maybe a big business meeting that's going on and you're unable to, you know, catch that? How are they able to, uh, to to not not handle your schedule but accommodate to your schedule well um it works out really well i'm 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 an outside salesperson so during the week you know i have my customers i deal with um and then uh on the, on sundays i you know I, I take orders on wednesday i take orders so it's just um it's really it's, it's a very flexible job i mean it's very not that it's easy by any means, but there's just a lot you have to juggle. Uh, it's just a, it's just pretty flexible, uh, as long as you know you're doing things the right way and you know sales look good. I mean, it, it, so far it's been it's been a good ride so far. So it's it's been good. Um, Sunday shows are very stressful for me. <laughs> hmm. uh, uh, for instance, Southern Underground Pro is another one of my home shows out of Nashville, Tennessee. They run Sunday afternoon in a bar. So, I'm putting my matches together, and then I'm running back and forth outside with my laptop and my phone and my Bluetooth headset, and I'm taking people's uh, grocery orders. And it's just, it's just, it's just all a juggle. Um, like, if I'm in a, like I was in a car for ten hours, I'm sitting there working on my laptop. I'm doing things I do on a day-to-day -day basis, and that's just, uh, that's how it works. And then. I got found out pretty quick because 
you know, people would find me on Facebook and ask me, but for the most part, they're really cool with it. Um, uh, they think they think it's a, a a good trait to have. It's something memorable for me as like a person outside of wrestling that I'm a wrestler. So my customers ask me a lot of questions about it. Um, in fact, we added a new town to the New South Territory because of my job. Because um, one of my customers found out I was a wrestler. He was a wrestling fan. He set us up with uh, the director of the local theater, and then we now run wrestling out of the theater because of my job. And then um, it, it's just cool. It's just cool stuff. Uh, and um, people generally are positive about it, and uh, and it works out. That's awesome. That's amazing to hear the connection with yourself, customers, and uh, potential lifelong uh, friends and fans. And that's really great to hear. And I have one uh, one to the, the the last question. You're gonna be, you know, it's, it's a question that I'm gonna just close out with. But one last question that's going to be on the main scope of everything, and that is, are you happy? All right, so we're back. We had a little technical difficulty there, but everything is fine and dandy. So I'm going to hit this one final question for my guest today, Cabana Man Dan. And that is, you know, you've had quite the extensive career, uh, you know, being a veteran in the career, a true veteran in the career uh, in the industry of wrestling uh, in specific. And uh, you've evolved over the years. Your character's evolved, and you've evolved yourself. You are a human being, and that's what we keep on doing out here. With that said, with that all set up for you, I'd like to ask you, are you happy? Are you happy with the way wrestling is going? Are you happy about the uh, the, the future of, of wrestling with yourself? And, and how do you see yourself, what role, what role do you see yourself playing in the next five years for wrestling? Or the future in general? Uh, I'm extremely happy. Um, this is probably the best, uh, I, I mean, it's, a, it's been a really good run anyways, but as far as just like, just 2019 already has just been so, uh, fantastic as far as debuting for new companies, seeing my home promotion grow, uh, seeing a lot of my boys just getting better and better. I'm so proud of them and I'm going to give them a quick shout out. These are my better, bitter brothers, chat. Uh, Donnie Primetime, uh, Sean Christopher, O'Shea Edwards, Daniel Perez, Cameron Action, um, Britt Jackson, and then there's a few more. Uh, it's a big group of us, but I'm just really proud of them, especially ones that step up, take a chance on themselves and get in the car with me, especially on tryouts and seminars. Um, but anyways, I just want to give them a quick shout out. Uh, no, I'm extremely happy. Um, there, it seems like, uh, at least with with New South, that they're that they're giving me a big spotlight. Um, last weekend, I won their big two night tournament. It's the heart of the Southern Sixteen. Uh, so that was three matches over two days, uh, two singles, and then a full way elimination match. And I took a lot of punishment. Including a hammer to the ribs. Oh God. Um. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah, got the hammer to the ribs night one after my match. Uh, night two, beat Britt Jackson with a with a a pinning combination. He attacked me with a smash, gave me a big jackhammer, and then later in that match with tape ribs, 
I was powerbombed on the ring apron, uh, given an exploder suplex on the entrance ramp, and then powerbombed on t through a table, um, and then eventually won with a sliced bread off the top rope, and uh, and then had a really emotional speech um, where I cried a lot. Oh. <laughs> I, I get really emotional and invested in matches that are that are big deals. Um, I got my lip. I got my I about bit my tongue in half that match too. Um, I a lariat to the jaw and it clenched my teeth up, and I was bleeding a lot out of my mouth. And then I cursed in the match, and I don't do that often. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was really cool, and and I got emotional after the match because you know I won a, a really big tournament, and despite all the odds, and there, and this is like even a year long storyline before all this. Um, where I had a fake Cabana Man Dan, and then after months of dealing with him, he beats me for my gimmick and my name and everything, and I'm just Dan. So I'm just Dan for five months on a losing streak, and then I get the opportunity to get everything back, but if I lose, I'm fired. So I win it back, and then go into this, I was suspended, and then the show threatened to walk out, they unsuspend me, put me in the tournament, and then I finally win it and then have this big stare down with the new New South champion, Tyler Matrix, which is a great friend of mine. So it's kind of like a new era of New South in Alabama, where it has two, you got two big, big baby faces on top. And at some point, we're going to have to wrestle each other. We were really wanting to go for uh, Benoit and Eddie Guerrero WrestleMania moment where we're hugging it out. You have these two big fan favorites standing up on top after months of tyranny. So... That was really cool. Um, but as far as, like, every, I'm, I'm happy, and five years from now, I, shoot, I'll be, God, I'll be, wow, I'll be 39. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> no problem, no problem. But uh, I just, you know, if, if I'm going to make it in-ring, it's, it's got to happen this year as far as, like, a big jump. And, I, and, and, and it kind of feels like whatever whatever I perceive success to be, I feel like I'm on the right path. It's not the same path that others are taking, um, but I feel like the path that I'm on is a really good path right now. Well, it's going to be awesome to see that path expand, and we're going to follow the, I was going to say the yellow brick road, but the, the, the flip-flop road. <laughs> there, I, I don't know if that's a thing. Okay, either way, uh, before we close out the show, I have uh, two Actually, I have two final questions. That's because I did sure. not go back and I did not ask this. And that's about your match with Shotzi Blackheart. Please tell me about that. Okay. Well, uh, just to kind of lift the curtain a little bit, that match technically wasn't supposed to happen. Um, other things were going to happen instead. Uh, but weather is a fickle beast, and the other person uh, wasn't going to make it on time. So they changed it to where it was just going to be a match for me and her. And uh, it was my first intergender match I've ever had as Cabana Man Dan, uh, especially on the platform it was, which was Bizarro Lucha. And you could check it out um, on independentwrestling.tv. And uh, I answered the challenge, and we wanted to have a straight-up match. And I was extremely happy with it. Um, she hits hard. Uh, she's, she's a very tough lady, and uh, she won the match with... Uh, a top rope senton, cannonball senton, and she creamed me. Oh. 
We we talked a lot afterwards, and I was really appreciative of the show to give give me that match, and with her, and it was the ver- the very first Filipino open challenge from her, so I figured it, that that's a milestone as well. Well, it is officially going in the history books, and uh, that was awesome to see. And I hope to see more possible uh, intergender matches with yourself, uh, especially with Chelsea Blackheart. Maybe do a, a little storyline with that. I don't know. Book it. Book it, somebody. I I, I'm, I'm 100% open to working uh, female wrestlers. And the best thing about it is it wasn't filled with the tropes that a man versus woman match kind of had to have before. Uh, I treated it like any other match that I would have had with anybody else, no matter what the gender or orientation of that person. And it wound up being a really good match because... It wasn't treated any different. It was an equal match. And uh, that's what I really liked about it. Well, I cannot wait to see the equality spread throughout the ring, throughout the wrestling industry, and especially throughout the career of Cabana Man Dan. Thank you so much, Cabana Man Dan, for coming on the show. Uh, I'm going to ask the final question after you tell me this, please. And tell the, tell the hashtag Lloyd Royal listeners this as well. Tell us about how we can find you on social media. Once more. Oh, yeah, once more again. Um, uh, Twitter is at CabanaManDan. Instagram is uh, at Cabana.Man.Dan because somebody already had CabanaManDan. Oh. I was upset about that. And then you can also find me on uh, Facebook as well. Um, and uh, I'm active on all those. Or you can just send me an old-fashioned email at CabanaManDan at gmail.com. Alrighty, and you all know where to follow the show again at T Hudson Three RD on Instagram and Twitter again at T Hudson Three RD on Instagram and Twitter. And since Kevin Van Dan brought it up, you can also email me any questions you may have about the show at ringofdiscussions at gmail.com. Again, ringofdiscussions at gmail.com is the professional business email for the show. And you can also go follow the website that is on both links, that is inside of both links, inside of both bios of Instagram and Twitter. Uh, And this is the final question. What is your favorite food of all time? Of all time. Favorite food of all time. I like a lot of food. I'm not. I'm not a picky eater at all. Um, I, I, I don't know. Just to be. Just because we were talking about it earlier, but I really miss uh, my mom or grandma's uh, lumpia, which is like a spring roll type dish. I, I really miss that. Um, haven't had that in years. I guess I don't know. It's just uh, that's what I really like. I mean, I can eat pizza and Taco Bell like no other. I just uh, I kind of miss that. But you know, there's nothing wrong with the. A medium rare ribeye either. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that is definitely cool to hear. And maybe try to recreate the dish. Have you tried to recreate the dish that they made? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not good at that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I'll just tell you this. You never know until you try. But that that's a story for another day. Alright, thank you so much for coming on the show, Cabana Man Dan. Uh, and I hope to have you on for part two. Good luck on the tournament, on the match. And hopefully win that, that good million dollars in the Brian Zane million dollar challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh and how when do you put this out? How how fast does it come out if you don't mind me asking? 
uh, well, all the listeners and what you guys are listening to this possibly after an hour um, after we're done uploading. So it's currently 8.05, so maybe 9 o'clock, maybe 8.30. I'd reach for 8.30. Oh, so you, 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 put, you post, post that pretty quick? Yes, sir. Okay, well, do you care if I run through some of my schedule? Go for it. Seriously, promote yourself. All right, those plugs in, brother. Got to gotta keep the bookers happy. Yes. Well, uh, March 16th, I'll be in Fort Payne, Alabama uh, for New South. My home show, Haas Tournament winner. Uh, I'm actually off next week, which is surprising. That's going to be a little bit of family time and R&R. you gotta, you got to make time for it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, March 30th, I return to Nova Pro Wrestling in Virginia. Wrestling uh, Josh Briggs. That's a huge guy. Yeah. Uh, for, for, he's known for Beyond Wrestling. Um, and then after that's WrestleMania week. You excited for WrestleMania? Am I excited for WrestleMania? Did you really just ask me that question? Am I excited <laughs> for WrestleMania? Especially in the past year in which I've really dwelled into and really deep dived into indie wrestling, especially on WrestleMania weekend. You better believe I am ready for WrestleMania and the real question. Oh. Are you ready? Yeah, gosh. I was born ready. This is this is this is a, this is a big effing deal. I mean, I went from wishing I had bookings last year and then the year before that, not even knowing that bookings happened during Mania Week, so I'm excited. But no, uh, Thursday, Mania Week, is Independent Wrestling TV's family reunion show uh, at noon in Jersey City. I'll be on that, representing Southern Underground Pro in a six-man tag. It's uh, Cabana Man Dan, O'Shea Edwards, and Mr. Brickster versus the Bone Storm champion Brett Eisen and SADCOMP, which is Dom Guarini and Kevin Koo. Uh, that's going to be uh, an awesome, awesome match. There's a lot of hatred uh, in that match. We want to just tear each other apart. Uh, Friday is the uh, Brian Zane Million Dollar Battle Royal for Black Level Pro. I believe that show is also a, it's also part of the collective. Uh, you can catch that at independentwrestling.tv. Um, uh, big card there. And then on Saturday at noon for Nova Pro, I'll be doing something that has not been announced yet. Uh, but that card should be great as well. And if you can't be there at the White Eagle Hall, uh, you can watch it on independentwrestling.tv. Uh, okay, I need to really catch up with this independentwrestling.tv. Yeah, because I... you have to. yeah, no, it used to be Powerbomb TV, but they recently changed their name and stuff. But uh, it's, it's independentwrestling.tv. It's a, a big conglomeration. I think it's got over 100 promotions on it, maybe over 50 promotions on it. Uh, they do uh, live stream shows, and then they also do, uh, you know, there's like back catalog, and like shows will be done, and then they'll be edited and put up. It's where you can check out uh, Southern Underground Pro, um, Nova Pro, uh, and uh, tons. Yeah, check it out. Alrighty, I will definitely do that, and hopefully uh, once I do that, I can have my search. I can do my own professional uh, tape watching, or not yeah. no no more tapes, but look at some look at some people that can get on the show in the future and have them talk about their journeys. Like I had Cabana Man Dan talk about his journey, his story today. I feel like there's a lot more. We could you know we could we could probably get a part two out of this. Maybe do oh, still on yes. a little later. We could have. I mean, just just a just a career that. That turns 18 years old today or this year. Oh, so, uh, I thought you said today. I'm. I was like, oh my gosh. That. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's sometime in October. Alrighty. All right. Well, I thank you so much for taking your time out of the day 
to come on the show, Brandon Man Dan, and I cannot wait to have you on in the future. I cannot wait to see your career further thrive. I'm glad we got connected. Hopefully, stay connected, and I hope you hashtag loyal royal listeners enjoyed the show today. I'm your host, the Triple Crown Tri-National Hardcore Cruiserweight Champion of the World. Hopefully, I did not blare your eardrums. Hopefully, you're not bleeding right now. True Nuts in the Third. I'm signing out. Have a good one, folks.